Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 Podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined as always by Nate Atkins. We are back from the bye week. Uh, we're going to start this one off. I did not tell Nate this as is tradition in podcast history. So he's going to have to come up mm. with it on the fly. I am very confident though because Nate has a college football obsession that is truly ins- insatiable and I don't think I can fully describe it to you guys. So <laughs> football thing that gave you joy on the bye week. Because I know you didn't spend the entire time away from the sport. Oh, you don't think I unplugged and got my screen time down to zero percent? <laughs> um, no, I did not do that. I went home. Uh, I assume I assume that you watched whatever the Pac-12 game or 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 whatever the what's what are the Western conferences now? I, I lose track. Whatever game was on at two thirty in the morning. I, I was watching, watching. I was it. yeah. I was watching some of those. San Jose State, I think, was the one on at that yeah, time. See, there we go. There we um, go. Football thing that gave me joy. Jeez, it was a it was a long weekend. Um, I will say. The, I mean, this is a very biased take, but I know you'll agree with it. it. Was Mizzou winning on a play where they had to convert a fourth and seventeen to beat Florida? That's so. Pretty I nuts. would, I would actually put this one in as an as an also as a Mizzou alum. I would actually put this one in football things that leave me terribly vexed. <laughs> well, it was that too <laughs> because because uh, on on fourth and seventeen, Florida allowed Missouri's best receiver, best player, not best receiver, best player on the team to run unaccosted 27 yards down the field and make a very easy catch. Yes. <laughs> it all goes back to, uh, I'll leave him unnamed to be nice, but do you know how old their defense coordinator is at Florida? Just a fun I don't, fact. I don't. I believe he's 29. Oh, no, Nate's getting ageist. He's younger than me is all I'll say, and uh, oftentimes I remind Joel how old he is, so that reminded how me how old I am uh, or – but it made me it made me feel a little better because I just said this is a young kid calling a defense. But that was uh, that was very fun. Fourth and seventeen, and they went on a game winning field goal. Um, a quick a quick college day. football note. I was having this discussion with somebody the other day about this same play. You know what I've noticed about college football? Like when they call college football fans hate prevent defenses. Hate them. Can't yes. stand them. They much well, I think pref- all football fans. They would much prefer a cover zero. But here's the thing. Like sometimes. In the NFL, if you're facing a fourth and 17, like the middle linebacker will be at like 12 yards. They'll have seven guys all sitting around the first down marker, mm-hmm. which is the same thing the colleges do. But the colleges are terrible at executing it. Yes, that's what I've. That's what I like. It, there was the Notre Dame game against Ohio State. Yeah. Like, like people are like, it's the wrong call. I don't know that it's the wrong call because usually what happens in the NFL is the quarterback has to check down and they make the tackle short of the sticks almost always. Yeah. Or, or if they force it, it ends up being incomplete or intercepted. And NFL players get furious if they call like cover zero in that spot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're like, that's not the right call. Yeah, like it's it's just it's really interesting how the game changes from one level to the to another. Because people are like, oh, I can't stand it when I see the linebacker sit, setting up that far back, and it's like, but we watch this happen like three times a week in the NFL, and it it almost always works. Yes, exactly. Um, um, so that was one thing that gave me joy. I will say another thing that was. I don't know if joy is the right word, amusement maybe, but uh, Maryland against Michigan had two safeties and a defensive touchdown given up. Ooh. And what's funny about it is at one point they were at their own one-yard line on third down and burned a timeout to not have it move to the half-yard line because they were afraid of a third safety. <laughs> and they <laughs> lost a timeout they needed to come back in the game. But that's that's how perplexed <laughs> they were by their inability to prevent safeties. So uh, Michigan survived basically because they 
had the most dominant defense within the one-yard line that I've seen. Uh, a previous co-host of mine on the podcast used to say that safety should be worth at least four points and maybe more. And I've come around on this. I actually think Jim's right. I think Jim Maiello is right. And uh, in that case, Michigan would have won on a blowout. Yeah, what's interesting, too, it's I just such, thought it, about. It never happens. It should it be worth more happens. points. But the Steelers somehow had two safeties not called on back-to-back plays. One of them was from Miles Garrett. And I feel like there should be a rule in the NFL that, you know, like the, the catch rule is convoluted. Some things with, like, the spot rule or it can be convoluted because there aren't, for some reason, technology to tell us exactly where the ball is. If Miles Garrett is involved – it's a safety. <laughs> Just, <laughs> Just based on what we saw here, uh, Miles Garrett against the Colts, who so also I, had that was not a safety. That was a defense session. My my football thing that gave me joy from from the bye week. I because it was the bye week, uh, I was able to go to Madison um, with my two older boys to see my uncle, uh, my uncle Jeff Reft, a was was a part of the crew for the. Division three state title game in Wisconsin oh, nice. between Rice Lake and Grafton. He's been refereeing for, he's been refereeing for forty years. Uh, he never got an assignment before that. Um, my my understanding is that he never got an assignment because of um, his former crew chief. Um, I won't get into too much of that, but mm. that he but he switched crews a couple years ago. Ended up getting uh, a state title assignment, and uh, and also had like a very complex call right in front of him he was the side judge on a touchdown mm. and it, it's like one of those like in high school the rule is one way in college the rule is the other way and he nailed mm-hmm. it right away and there were college guys in the booth so they replayed it thinking it needed to be overturned and it didn't so um wow. really 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 fun day we stayed stuck around and watched the next game uh which ended 34 to 33 on a failed two-point conversion by the team that was trying to tie the score um or not trying to tie the score. They were trying to go ahead. It was 34-33. They were trying to hit the two-pointer to win. Um, really, really fun. Uh, now now in the Erickson household, uh, so Jeff quarterbacked a state championship game. They didn't they didn't win, but he, he was the starting quarterback in a state championship game. In fact, they didn't win because he broke his hand in the semifinal and couldn't throw. <laughs> um, wow. and, then, and then he's ref the state title game, and my dad – uh, was an assistant coach for Stanley when they won for my high school when they won a state title, so they've got basically the they've got all the the realm of it. Um, and for anybody out there who's like, well, what have you done? I've covered three Super Bowls and a national championship game. That's that's my contribution <laughs> to the family's football history. You get to enjoy it from the press box. Uh, no, that's fun. Were the, were the fans nice to your uncle as the ref? Uh, we didn't hear anything. They 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 had a so it was it was really interesting that we stuck around for the second game. Because I, I thought his crew had a really clean game. There wasn't a lot of like controversial stuff. The next crew absolutely screwed up two calls, mm. like early. You don't want to be that crew, you know. Like and so because fans live with that their whole life. Yeah, yeah. So it it, it stuck out really, 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 um, obviously that they had a like. You you kind of feel like you're like eh, I think he had a pretty clean game. It's hard to tell. You know, like you're you're in the stands, you're not watching it, and then the next crew has like two calls that you're like, like everyone in the stands is talking about. And you're like, okay, they had a pretty clean game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a a lot of it's just avoiding, like you don't want to be the character, you don't want to be the person people talk remember from the game. So that's sounds like how it's going to be. You'll always remember watching your uncle referee, and hopefully none of the fans of those teams will ever think about the referee again because he did the job yeah i i don't i don't think i don't think so there were, i can't i can't think of a controversial call 
in that one. Like I said, there were two in the next one. One of them involved a improper spot of a forward pass while the quarterback was running. Um, hmm. So another like sort of like complex call you don't see very often, and they blew it. Um, there was a football thing that gave me sadness, though. Okay. Uh, the Thursday night game, Joe Burrow's injury. Mm. Um, that's tough to watch, especially as a guy who grew up. I've always kind of felt a little uh, connection to Joe Burrow, someone who another person who grew up playing high school football in he Ohio. He said you can't claim him as an Ohio State player. Yeah, he said Ohio State student. Yeah, he said he was an Ohio State student, so you can't claim him that way. But you can claim him as an Ohio State like athlete, or as an yeah, Ohio, as an Ohio, not a state of Ohio athlete. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. That's the right way to yes, put it. Yes, exactly. Um, just uh, it's injuries are brutal, and we'll get into some of that how it relates to the Colts. But that was just another example of like it's a player we've watched drag his team to two straight AFC title games. I felt like he was going to find a way to drag the Bengals back into contention this year, even with the issues they've had. Uh, but just to watch him on the sidelines when he tried to just do a warm-up pass, basically, and his elbow just gave out. It's just that stuff. It, it, it's just hard to watch. It, it just reminds you kind of how, how fragile this game is and the fact that for some reason this keeps happening in the NFL. So many quarterbacks have gone down. We've obviously – it's been the story here in Indianapolis. It's somehow – it's ironically the thing that's keeping – one of the things that's keeping the Colts in the mix is the AFC has become such a muddled mess with quarterback injuries and other – you know levels of parity even though the Colts have their own going on but um I also I wanted to see you know I maybe not everyone loves this spot I like to celebrate great players <laughs> from opposing teams and I was I was excited to watch Joe Burrow live for the first time when we go to Cincinnati in a couple weeks and now we will watch a backup um let's see if I can do this off the top of my head so the Colt the quarterbacks the Colts face in the final seven games Baker Mayfield Will Levis uh who I the Bengals' backup is Jake, Jake Browning. Browning. Yes. Um, the Raiders have Aiden O'Connell. C.J. Stroud is very good. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh has Kenny Pickett, and he's like the only thing wrong with the team. <laughs> um, who? Which? Which opponent am I missing? The Falcons. They don't. They don't. Desmond, know who they're, they're back to Desmond Ritter for now. Yeah, I mean we've got a month. Who knows? So that's that's the quarterbacks they face down the stretch. That's why, like, if you've noticed, we've started writing some stuff about, like, the playoffs. That's that's why. I, I realize that the Colts have not looked good on offense the last two weeks um, and that there's reason to, to wonder about their, whether or not they can get in. But they, they're, they're not facing a murderer's row of quarterbacks here. It's not like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are, are lined up waiting for them. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on that, though. I think we talked about that previously. The, obviously, the big news today um, is the the release of Shaquille Leonard, uh, the f- uh, three-time first-team All-Pro, one-time second-team All-Pro, uh, who, like, I'll just lay my cards on the table here right now. I've already, I'm already past all of the, um, he said, she said, what did he do, well, all the end stuff. Like, I, I'm already past it. Like, to me, this is, like... Where this is going to be is it's Bob Sanders, it's Andrew Luck, it's Bo Jackson, it's Terrell Davis, it's Tony Baselli. Like we're going to look back on this and wonder what if, what if Jack Leonard had gotten to play a full career as at full power because we didn't get to see that. And what we saw for four years, like uh, there's been, I, it's it's so hard sometimes when you're on social media because the reaction on social media is frankly insane sometimes. Um, but it feels like there's been so much vitriol directed at him there. Like, 
if you can like forget it like i think I, this is what i wrote in my column that, that i posted on wednesday morning like forget that because you're gonna forget it you're only gonna remember that he was great like all those other guys that i just mentioned i i'm sure their careers ended in confusing and weird ways and outside of luck we obviously we all talk about the, how, how luck's career ended um more than we talk about anything else but outside of luck with all those other guys the only the only way we talk about any of those details is we condense it all down into and his career was cut short by injury that's what's going to happen with Shaquille Leonard uh barring like the only way that doesn't happen is if he goes somewhere else and suddenly recaptures his his explosiveness but i think i think and this is there there's going to be some some stuff that from behind the scenes sprinkled in throughout this but like behind the scenes i think that's what the Colts they decided they didn't think they were going to see it again. They've they've been waiting for it for a couple of years now. They don't think it's coming back. Yeah, I think any of the the sort of he said she said any of the negatives uh, kind of issues that people have had, uh, right or wrong, with Shaquille Leonard over the past couple of years, it still all goes back to the fact that he got injured. Is the fact that he had four seasons to start his career, first team All Pro, that were so dominant that here two years later when he's you know, not really added to these numbers. He's still the only player in the NFL since 2018 who has 15 sacks and 10 interceptions. And the only thing that really changed that was that in June of 2022, doctors discovered a nerve issue in his back that was related to some of the issues he was starting to have in his ankle uh, from the or had a lot the previous season. And that's it. And everything from there has been a guy who really his story – it's a it's a disappointing it's obviously it's a sad one because really goes back to he he tried too hard to come back initially and i don't know if it ever would have worked um not doing that but everything with him all the negatives you could most of the negatives you could come up with are still related to he got hurt and he tried really hard to just sort of push through that and make it happen and, and be on the field and it was all about being on the field at the end of the day and at some point it's just this player who came into the league you know, second round pick out of South Carolina State, who just took the league by storm with one of the most athletic bodies and a linebacker that you'll ever see. And just one day, four years later, his body just said no more. And it's it's tough because players' bodies give out. It's it's you know, as they say, Father Time's undefeated. At some point, something was going to happen, like it does with all these guys. But if Shaq gets four more years that are like his first four. He's a Hall of Famer because at that point, if that actually happened, he'd be an eight-time All-Pro. And, I mean, you're talking at least 30 sacks and 20 picks. I mean, it, it just was – it was – I'd like us to remember just how utterly dominant he was. I only saw it for half a season when I got here midseason in 2021. But I'm still kind of stuck there when I when I think about Shaq because back then it was – we would sit there in the press box and it wasn't like can Shaq – force a turnover that back then it was Darius but it isn't can Leonard force a turnover it was when's it coming what how many is he going to get and that's ridiculous to say about a defensive player so I hope as time goes on uh people do remember those those high points and the electric play and I to your point I think they will and I think part of that is as kind of dramatic as some of this has been I do think it it's not good to end it mid-season like this but I think him going out there and meeting with fans for two hours last night was a good way to sort of put a bow on this and, and still get back to the idea that like no matter what's been said, what's been done, 
Like it, for four years or so, fans absolutely adored this player, and he he adored playing for them. And it's those times I think that you got to remember. Regular podcast listeners will know that I'm generally reluctant to to offer specific timelines and stuff on injuries anyway. Um, but I think I think this holds up with everything I've said on TV, on the radio, uh, on this podcast over the, over the last couple of years. Everything I kept saying with with Leonard was just I don't know what it's going to be like it's it's really hard for me to know like i know i know he said he feels like he came back too fast last year like it's kind of what you said like it's it's really really difficult to know whether or not medically whether or not this was ever gonna like whether or not he was ever gonna quite be the same because and, and here's here's the sort of remarkably um given the the sport uh Spinal injuries are rare. Um, mm-hmm. Like we can, I know you can list off, you know, three or four of them off your head right now. But like, if you start, if you start putting those three or four against the totality of NFL players, like you're, it's it's a pretty small percentage compared to like, like one of the things I kept saying was this is not an injury like an Achilles or an ACL where there's two or three on every team every year. You know what I mean? Um, it's very rare. And when you have, like, when guys have spinal injuries, you, you know. Colts fans went through this with Peyton Manning's neck. Now, the, the, the thing here's the thing about Manning's neck. His game didn't have to be as physical as Leonard's did. Just didn't. No. Um, and if you remember the way he threw when he was with the Broncos, um, like it, his his brain was doing a lot of stuff. Like it doesn't work that way at linebacker. There are there are things your body has like you're, there are things your body has to be able to do in an instant in the split second that it used to, that it wasn't. And I I don't know. I mean like. I there's there's the Peyton Manning injury, Luck and Bob Sanders. As far as I could tell, I don't see I didn't don't remember spinal stuff, but like you know I grew up in Wisconsin, Sterling Sharp was absolutely headed for being a Hall of Fame receiver. He broke the single season receptions record three years in a row. He broke he hurt his neck, never played again. Uh, Nick Collins, who I'm sure most people have forgotten already, Nick Collins was like a three time Pro Bowl or All Pro safety. He picked off Roethlisberger in that Super Bowl they won spinal injury never really played again like it's the when it when you get to that part of your body and you start dealing with the nervous system it it gets really tough and i don't know if you don't so the hard part the hard part about talking about this for the last couple years has been everyone wants a clear definitive like do you think he'll ever be back do you think he won't i'm just going to be honest i don't ever want to be the person who ends up in a 30 for 30 20 years from now saying this person definitely will never come back and be the player they used to be and then they're a hall of famer i I don't i because there's no way for me to know there's Mm -hmm. no like like just for an example uh he's not a colts example but i'm bringing in a a indiana adjacent because he went to purdue example drew b's shoulder almost got ripped off medically i've heard him say that with his own mouth and dr james andrews like medically like whatever the whatever it looks like when you Google it, like essentially, his shoulder was ripped off and went and punched out through the bottom of his socket. Like, I'm sure. Well, I mean, the Dolphins wouldn't clear him. Like, there was question about whether or not he would have ever played again. And he wasn't. Like, it wasn't a, like there was a question of whether or not he could be back to what he used to be. He was in much better player with the Saints. Like, I don't. Because those things happen, and because there's no way for me to know the future, I'm never. I don't. Th- I don't think I'm ever going to predict that this one is going to be the one that ends it for somebody. Because, like I said, I just. I just don't want to be the person 
sitting sitting there like I don't want to be the person they're playing a clip of saying he'll never ever come back at the Hall of Fame speech. And I don't know that anybody felt confident to say that either. I like what's so weird about this injury specifically is that it isn't an Achilles, it isn't an ACL, it isn't these it isn't these injuries that just have this automatic you're out in this much minimum, this is what has to happen. There wasn't there's not a lot of precedent here and it is very case by case, especially you're getting into the nervous system. Like this is this is not just a muscle that tore, you know, a tendon that tore. It's, this is completely different. And that's what's going to be just always tough looking back on it is, is Shaquille Leonard has done this for two years now. He will probably, unfortunately, do it for, for a long, long time. Is thinking about, you know, the what ifs of did he come back too fast? What Like would it have been different if he stayed out a whole, whole while? I mean, we don't know that. We don't – and, again, it isn't an injury like, like a – ACL, for example, ACL recovery is so good at this point that if you have that, you know, at his age, 26 years old, and you give it the proper time and all that, players usually recover from that. I, I don't know that we can ever – maybe at some point in history we'll be able to say more about this injury and, and whether guys come back from it. But I just – I haven't seen enough out there. I And that's why I was always hesitant to say what he could come back as. But the tough thing for him was – like a year ago when he was practicing and they they were measuring up his practice tape with his game tape. It was about they're trying to, like, get him back to that level. Well, you're talking about the bar for that, the athleticism he was playing at, is among the greatest you'll ever see at that position. That was how high the bar was to get back. Unfortunately, I've been through this a couple of times now where that was the same thing. DeAndre Levy is a, a linebacker for the Lions. Uh, wasn't quite Shaquille Leonard. He wasn't, like, four-time All-Pro, but he was – one of the best players in the number one defense in the NFL and just had a bunch of knee injuries that got weird with some of the medical decisions they made and he could never he could never come back but the bar he was trying to get back to was so so high so unfortunately injuries do just sort of they kind of create these what ifs sometimes and it's it's tough and it's players I'm sure there's other examples that are not popping in my head immediately but I feel like more of the examples we're going to point to of guys who did make these miraculous recoveries and come back and play super well are quarterbacks. I mean, you mentioned Drew Brees. It's a different Peyton, position, yeah. Peyton Manning. We'll see if Aaron Rodgers is able to do it. He's the next one that's trying some some crazy stuff. But it is it is just different when, like, Shaq's whole game was athleticism and instincts. And if you take – and he was a freelancer and he played that – and, like, just watching him, what's been tough is watching him this year. It's not just that he lost some of that – it's that he doesn't know the speed he's playing at anymore. It's like just been a very mind-warping injury and a, and a difficult two years, and it just felt like this week the Colts decided that, you know, they gave it long enough. Coming out of the bye week, they just decided that it was time to time to move on. They they wanted well, – well, we can get into the details a little bit now, now that we've laid that backdrop. They wanted – they very much wanted to see him return to who he was. He was a very important part of this organization – um, he set the tone for the defense. He was absolutely incredible from 2018 to 2021. I, yeah, like the 2021 season, he didn't have the same explosiveness. There's a there's a memorable press conference where he took us through like seven or eight plays, um, and said like I could have made this if I had my calf working the way it's supposed to. Um, but like he still t- he still created 15 turnovers that year, um, and they 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 wanted to see that. Like I. 
I think I think this is the part where we kind of get into more of the information from behind the scenes. I think the way people are talking about yesterday, in some corners of the internet, some corners of the broadcast webs, like is a little bit incorrect. I I don't have an indication that Shaq complaining about playing time is why this was made. I don't have that at all. Um, and that's that's from people who I can't quote. Like they don't have any reason to hide it. Like I can't tell uh, I can't tell you who it was. But like that's the the feeling inside the Colts building yesterday was sadness. It wasn't a sense of relief. It wasn't whatever people are saying it was. It was it was a sense of sadness that this this didn't happen for him. And I think why they decided to do it now ultimately like I'll just I'll just put it this way. Can you think of any other player of Shaq Leonard's stature and history with an organization who is inactive every week? Non non quarterback division. Because this does happen sometimes with quarterbacks because of the nature of the benching of the, that position. But like any other any position player who's inactive every week even though he can play? Uh no. Uh well one. Deshaun Watson a couple years ago when he refused to play. That's a quarterback. Yeah, non quarterback? Uh no, not really. Yeah, it's 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 he was gonna have to be inactive every week. And I don't know if they felt like it was fair to him to do that. Cause, I mean, they're still they, they're still paying him for this season, um, as everybody pointed out yesterday. Like, I, I don't know. They, yeah, that's the part. I think there is a little bit more nuance to it. I don't. Clearly, they decided that they were, they told me it was going to be inactive this week, is what he says. Um, is it a situation where he has to be inactive every week if EJ Speed gets hurt? I mean, they don't have other linebackers on the team, so I'm just. That's where he's sort of trying to figure this out clearly they it's obviously they don't think that he's playing at the right level and we saw that against the Patriots that was I think the most glaring example of he had some moments where he could make a few more of the plays that he used to make and and it was a tough game uh clearly they thought it wasn't a matter of just give it more time because they've given it a lot of time I do think, like, I, I agree. I, the sense I've got, it's not – the decision they made to get to that point of we're going to make him inactive was not about the playing time conversation. Gus Bradley told him, you know, don't let up on this. You need to be a guy who wants to play. They dealt with this with Michael Pittman Jr. and didn't seem to have any issue with that. Granted, I think part of that is they agreed with him in the end. Um, but still, it was – the part, though, I think it comes into play is they got to a point, and this is just based on what we know from what – Shaquille Leonard is laid out. Um, we haven't gotten – we've given Shane Steichen a chance to give his side and he declined. But based on how Shaquille Leonard's laid it out is that they told him he's going to be inactive and then the next day they told him we're going to cut you. I think that part of the conversation of, you know, not keeping him around when you're already paying him the rest of the year, I do think some of that goes back to the complications of what does this look like to have this specific player, this captain, inactive every week. It's different than telling – Saguna Luby, hey, you're probably going to be act inactive. There is, and it's not just about Shaq and how he reacts. It's how the locker room reacts. I mean, he's their captain. He's a guy who built a lot of bonds. I saw, you know, three different, three or four different Colts players come out there last night to his event. Uh, they were going to start to have questions of like, wait, you know, why is he not on the field or when is he like? It just to them, I think the tangled web of it all became time to move on. It, like it's it's with anything in the NFL. There's when you have these. 
when you have these potential distractions, and sometimes it's not like there's no villain in the distraction. It's just a distracting element. You have to decide: is it worth? Is it, is the juice worth the squeeze? And if they decided we don't want to play this guy, and he's our third linebacker, and we'll play him if if we have an injury, but that's probably it. To them, I think that the juice probably wasn't worth the squeeze when they're in a playoff push. Well, and the other the other piece of this, you know, like if he's inactive every week, and you don't always you don't always put this into perspective, and I think Shane Steichen sort of just ignores it, which probably helps a little bit. But um, like you got to think about if he's inactive every week, he's not playing. Shane's not telling us exactly why. Gus isn't telling us exactly why. Like this would be a story every single week. This would be a big deal every week. Um, it would. I, it wouldn't raise. It would. Not, it, would it wouldn't rise to anything close to the level of the Jonathan Taylor speculation. But it would have been a big deal around this team in the lock. Like I, in the locker room, it's sometimes harder for me to gauge. But it would have been a big deal around this team every week, every press conference, every time he talked. Um, yeah. It, the other thing is, I guess they they kind of just decided, you know. If we're going to do this at the end of the season, we can do it now too. You know, yeah. I, I he was he did not. I I mean, you you know this as well as I do, but he did not ask for his release. This is not Leonard. Yeah, definitely not. This is not Leonard in any way uh, initiating that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I like I said immediately when it when it happened yesterday, my my first thought, and I've been actually kind of thinking about this a while. I just haven't wanted to vocalize it because, again, you don't know. When something's going to click, it's, it's not an injury that I have any history with. I don't know. I don't think I've ever covered in ten years of covering the NFL and five of cover or four of covering college. I don't think I've ever covered somebody who had surgery to have uh, to relieve the pressure two discs were putting on the nerves leading to his left leg or right leg, for that matter. I don't think I've ever covered anybody like that. I have no history with it whatsoever, um, and I don't really care what doctors who aren't treating him say either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally with you because <laughs> they don't know. Um, but like it's, I've been thinking about this for a while. As it became clear, like he wasn't playing, he wasn't getting better as a player. Is like this is going to be a what if? It's like Bob Sanders. To me, it's like Bob Sanders. The Andrew Luck, the Andrew Luck comparison. Andrew Luck is a little more complex because Andrew Luck left. Andrew Luck left when he could still play mm-hmm. really, really well. That 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 situation. I get that one why we talk about that one at the end. It, it's a much more complex situation than this one. To me, Sanders Sanders and, and Leonard are, are very similar situations, really. It's it's guys who, um, like if you go back and look at the end of Bob Sanders' career, he was here for three years and played nine games over those three years. And I don't, I think it was pre-X Twitter. It was pre-super like super heavy social media, but I'm sure people were furious about that then because for some reason people are furious about injuries now. Um, but like, it's it, to me. It's it's the very it's a very similar situation. Like if the the only difference, the only real difference to me is that with Sanders it was accumulated injuries, and with Leonard it, it appears to be one. Yeah, I think kind of the way I've been looking at it is it's almost like a like a like a why why us situation. Why did this have to happen this way? Because. When I think about what if, I think a little bit more about, just personally, I think more about players that had this potential and it got ripped apart before we ever saw what they'd be on the field. I think about, uh, I think Malik Hooker might be a good example. I wasn't here uh, when he was here. 
injuries sort of sort of derailed his career early. Um, but super athletic, I think second round pick just like Shaq. You know, I think about random example, but J.K. Dobbins is having this conversation in Baltimore, what he would be like as Lamar Jackson's running back if he didn't have serious knee injuries every single year. With Shaq, it's like like with Bob Sanders and Andrew Luck, we saw the peak. Uh, I would say with Andrew Luck's the one. I still thought there was more he could have gotten to, not to rip open that wound. But Shaq, we saw. We saw the absolute high of the high, and it was a guy that if the Colts continue to win, if they figure out their quarterback position, I think was going to win defensive player of the year eventually. If he has those kind of turnovers on a top-level team, I thought it was a conversation. I think he could have been in that conversation in 2021 if they had not collapsed late in the year because he had was number one in the NFL in forced turnovers. So it's like there is what if about how long can he keep that going. But to me, it's all it's the frustration of it is we, we know what this guy was. And so that's what when you watch him out there against the Patriots and – there's that screen pass to Zeke Elliott, and he, Shaq of 2021 and before would have just blown that up and maybe forced to punch the ball out. And the Shaq we saw now, you know, couldn't get to him. And I, I just have to think there was plays like that that the Colts looked at and they thought, you know, we've waited. We've he's not on the injury report anymore. He's had two surgeries. We've we've done the, the recovery process. It's not there for him. And Shaq was always going to believe he has like the way he's wired. He has to. This is how all players kind of have to be. They have to fight off the doubt of, I'm not, I don't have it anymore. So he has to kind of believe and and chase that light. But you know, the, the franchise has to look for like they have to be more pragmatic about it. And it seems like the tough conversation they had to have. And it took sort of a bye week, and it took an extra, even a couple days into the bye, you know, after the bye week to quite figure out how to fully deal with this. And ultimately, it's just like. It's just like ripping off a Band-Aid in the end. Yeah. No, it's um, it's jarring, though. I, I didn't. I will admit I did not expect it. I didn't. I thought it would happen at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I, I think I we thought all it would happen. thought. I thought it would happen. At the end. In fact, in fact, like I, I that's that's, I said that on TV like two days ago. So that's what I thought it would happen was at the end of the season. I do remember having a conversation with someone else on the beat a couple weeks ago about where this was headed it was because I think one of the complications of it all was they gave him and us a November timeline for when they thought he they thought he should be back and when you set a date to things you know it's like we say all the time it's like deadlines force actions or it forces in this case conversations and Shaq had asked them when they said that he said okay I want to sit down in November and have that talk about where am I Am I that player? What are the what's the snap level? And they told him, okay, I, we'll get out of the bye week. They came back and they realized, like, do we just want to string this along, or do we really? I think that I think that conversation being scheduled forced them to kind of take a really deeper look of like, we need to decide something firm now. And ultimately, the decision was, we don't want to just tell him, you know, you're going to be inactive the whole season and. For all the reasons we laid out, they just realized, like, we've given this long enough. We told him we would figure this out by November. November's here, and it's time to make a decision. I, uh, I, th- I when I look back at that, 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 that what, what Bradley said about November, like, I, I don't think we understood the full magnitude of it at the time. Like, at least I didn't. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking, like, this might be it in November. 
Um, I don't know if the culture. I honestly don't know if the culture thinking that. I think I think Shaq understood it that way. Maybe not it in terms of release. He never saw that coming. But the way he described it yesterday is he said when they scheduled that meeting, it was we're going to decide based on where you're at now. Do you need more snaps or less? It was gotcha. sort of this line in the sand of we're done waiting. We're, we're, pretty much they were saying they're done saying he needs more time to recover. At that point, they were going to evaluate the player and, and what he looked like and decide what his role in the defense was. He didn't see it going this way, of course. He didn't see it being this. And like I said, like I don't think any of us quite did. But I do think like you could see, taking it back to that quote from Bradley, how this was a possibility, maybe a little bit more than we saw. Honestly, it, it does make sense that they had to make a snap decision by now because they're 5-5. Five and five. They're in the playoff mix. I know there's different people saying, like, they're really in it, they're not in it, whatever. The, mathematically, they're in. They're in the playoff mix. Um, a couple games either way could swing them super into it or super out of it. And, like, you can't – we're at the point of the season where you can't be giving wait-and-see snaps anymore. Very if you're going to try to make a push for the, if you're going to try to make a push for the playoffs, you can't be giving, like, let's see how this turns out, like developmental type snaps. If you're making a push for the playoffs, and this, this maybe will go into what, what we talk about after the game on, on Sunday as we look at other playing time. But um, if you're making a push for the playoffs, you you can't be giving wait and see snaps anymore. Like you have to be give playing the best player. Um, I I would almost I could almost make an argument that. Uh, Maybe that's true the whole season, but I, I get it here because the upside of getting the turnover, the turnover producing Leonard, uh, was so high. You know, if you if you're getting a turnover every game, maybe they're maybe they're, they're maybe they're in a much better situation than five and five. You know, um, yeah. and I think the way they looked at it probably too was last two weeks they won where, like we said, it was mostly the quarterback issues on the other team. Not only were those guys problematic, but they didn't take advantage of some of the holes the Colts defense had shown before those two games. So they got to fix things right now. And, yes, we've laid out they're going to face some other easier quarterbacks, but this week they're going to face Baker Mayfield, who's not playing. He's played, like, o- he's played okay football. Yeah, I think Baker Mayfield throwing a Mike Evans and Chris Godwin is very different than the yes. Panthers and the Patriots. So it's just one of those things where you can't wait any longer. You can't get two more weeks, be 5-7, and seven, and then make the decision you should have made at 5-5. Five and five. I think that's how they're looking at it. Shane Steigen has a very sort of urgent approach to this and honestly he should in the sense that again whether like you just said whether whether it's a legit five and five or not you you do owe it to everybody in this organization to do everything you can to win right now and give them that shot at the playoffs especially with how murky the the playoff field has suddenly gotten in the AFC where it's a little less of a conversation of like do they have any chance to make it now mathematically they do based on the quarterbacks they face they do and they, they've got to try and fix some issues right now. It's Or otherwise, you know, we've hit them on this before with, like, the cornerback thing. It's like you waited too long to address or to look at something and it bit you. This was them looking at something over the bye and saying, we need to make a move right now to try and get better. We'll see if they're right on it. But that, that I think, is the urgency that led some of this conversation. Yeah, and I know some people want to hire a draft pick. Like, uh, trust me, I get the whole Marvin Harrison Jr. thing. Uh, but to me, once you have the quarterback, I think that's probably out anyway. Well, once you have the quarterback, like I think you take the shot at the playoffs if you've got it. Yeah, and again, like you're going to need to win three games to get Marvin Harrison. And I don't think a team that needs it's it's a very unique thing where I don't think a team that needs uh, to fix their passing game that's bad enough to be up there is going to 
trade the pick for Marvin Harrison unless it's truly a bounty. And so, so we'll see how that goes. But I just at this point, I don't like they could lose out, and I don't know that that gets them the thing that they're tanking for anyway. It's a different conversation than if you're like, you know, where you know maybe where the Cardinals are or a team like that. Reasonable people could disagree with that. With that, um, I, I think I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I do. I think if there's if there's one part I want to lean on, it's that I do want to give a little bit of a weight on the defense because of what you just said. Um, like, I know the past defense played well the last two weeks. I don't think there are two worse wide receiving cores in the NFL than Carolina and New England. Not with and Kendrick Bourne and Deont- and Devontae Parker both out. And maybe not two more lost starting quarterbacks other than Kenny Pickett than Mac Jones and the the level that Bryce Young's at as a rookie. And and I know I know the Saints game was the Tony Brown game, but also like in terms of like some of these quarterbacks look bad. D- Derek Carr was terrible going into that game. Like I haven't sh- I haven't shaken that from my head yet. Like that, that that he was they were talking about in New Orleans they were talking about like I don't know the apocalypse. With their offense, and they yeah. blew up. And like Derek Carr, Derek Carr is not a great quarterback. Like so, I, 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 I'm, what well, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, I'm still wait and see on the pass defense. Like to yeah. me, it is still, to me, this the pass defense is still the pass rush has to get home. And I think you're right to bring up the offensive weapons. Is that the quarterbacks are going to face for the most part are, are pretty not good, but they're going to face some receivers too. This week it's Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They're going to face. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to face Jamar Chase and, uh, and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. And, you know, there's going to be challenges, you know, along the way that, 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 and, and that Saints game is that, is the quarterback was coming in as a mess, but their receivers torched the Colts through the air. And last two games, they didn't face receivers specifically on the outside that had any chance to do that, but they're going to. It's going to start this week. So I think it is. You know, if they didn't make any changes, we would get and they got torched this week. One, or you or I would have written that they could have seen this coming and didn't do something about it. So you do have to credit them for looking at it over the self scout of the buy and saying we're going to try a change. We know we have to get better in these certain areas, even if statistically it's looked okay for a couple of weeks. And we'll see how it goes. Have a good Thanksgiving, or hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, if I am. Um I'm assuming that most of you listening to this podcast before Sunday's game are listening to it either on the way to Thanksgiving or on the way back uh, from Thanksgiving. So uh, I hope your holiday both is going to be or was great, depending on which one you are. Uh, it, the we're we're gonna we're we're gonna be checking in with the the Colts here in a little bit on the the reaction to uh, the loss of Shaquille Leonard. Um, the release of Shaquille Leonard. Uh, we're gonna have more stuff throughout the week. I know. I know people mostly check out. I get it. Thanksgiving is great. It's a wonderful holiday. Um, wait, real quick. Favorite piece of the Thanksgiving meal? Oh, favorite piece. Yeah, you gotta uh, pick one. Hmm. I gotta go with mashed potatoes and gravy. Cornbread stuffing here. Um, made from scratch. Oh. That's me. Um, I'm not a big stuffing guy, but I love cornbread, and if you have a good recipe, mm-hmm. I would be down. Um, anyway, so hope you enjoyed your meals. We're in the holiday season now. Uh, Jim is no longer on the podcast, so we don't have to anyone on the podcast telling you not to get super holiday Christmassy. If Nate wants to, I'm not going to let him. Nope. Uh, <laughs> it's it's as no soon interest. as as soon as Thanksgiving's over, it's fine to go. Uh, it's 
we're in the holiday season, and the Colts are in the mix for the playoffs. We'll be covering it. I'm Joel Erickson. This is Nate Atkins for the Colts Cover 2 podcast.